Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. And a fine Saturday morning to the <laughs> two of you. Good morning. Uh, good, good morning. morning. <laughs> Hello. Uh, how is this? Is that is that is is that what Disney Plus is going to say when I boot up the app? <laughs> is that what I'm going to get? Is, it is. is Andy? <laughs> it is.
they're they're recruiting me to be the voice. And they're spinning up the Irish a, a brand new uh, animated series. It's an Irish adventure, and that's Andy. <laughs> you had no idea. No, no, you could do the Australian one he too, could. right? Because <laughs> that's yes. right. He actually, try another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> That's for you, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Terrible. They need to create a whole new set of superheroes that are just like, like, (laughs) culturally offensive. Like for Australia, because they just, you know, their weapon is shrimps and they throw them at, (laughs) you know. (laughs) No, don't they already have that with, what's his name in the Suicide Squad with his boomerang? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that, he's Australian, right? Isn't he supposed to be? It'd be better if he was throwing shrimp. Yes, That's all shrimp. I'm saying. <laughs> boomer shrimp. Uh, yeah, shrimp is like is. a boomerang. It's already there. I think I'm onto something here, really. I kind of hope you're not. <laughs> Andy, are you operating on any sleep at all? I don't. <laughs> Who needs sleep? Uh, Apparently not you. All right. Oh, dear. Well, uh, okay. So the beloved Criterion channel is launched. Is that true? Yes, it is. Yes. Is it beloved already? About it? No, it's like beloved it's by beloved me. And be hated. It's yeah, Nick. They apparently, you know, there's issues whenever you're international, and so they have given a big finger to Nick in Australia. Although I they, think it's they, just specifically him, though, right? Yeah, I think so. With that nice email they sent, like, "Hey, we love movies. We're not going to let you see them." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very narrow launch window. In fact, it's really only Steve's living room. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't been there as much as I really really wanted to because work has been keeping me busy. But they do have uh, some fun series in there that uh, we're sitting down with actors talking about their favorite movies or movies that inspired them and all that. And I am now like Bill Hader is my best friend I never met because he's talking about just the spectrum from like, you know, 2001 to Evil Dead. And I'm like, yes, this is my kind of guy. And it's uh, quite enjoyable. So what they've done is they've loaded in a bunch of the catalog. So there's different ways you can access it because what they have done with these, with these series, um, I saw Bill, they have an interview with him and then they, he's got little intro pieces to a lot of his, um, films that have inspired him or are his favorites. So you get the like built out watch list of here he is doing intros and then here's the film. Uh, so there's many different ways to access it. Just instead of finding the movie, you can actually see all the like associated bonus material with it. Nick just posted his review of battle of Algiers. So I went in and saw they've got the movie, they've got a 24 minute conversation. It's called a case study. They've got five directors talking about it. They've got a hour documentary on the making of it. So there's like my whole weekend right there. <laughs> it's it's nice that they've because I mean, they've had stuff like that on their website. And, you you know, I've always been getting their emails. And so you'll get these monthly emails where yeah. they, it's like somebody talking about their favorite criterions or something like yeah. that. So it's nice to see that they've kind of found a way to take that and adapt it to be a part of their channel. It's pretty cool. Well, it's a whole series called Adventures in Movie Going. And they've got a ton of people. I mean, they've got Philip Kaufman in there. And so that I can see right now, he does a little intro and discussion about uh, Bicycle Thieves, Rashomon, uh, Jules and Jim. So for people that 
are interested in these movies, but maybe want a little bit like, why is this movie important or significant? You've got, you know, these, these experts uh, that are going to tell you a little bit about these films. So it gives you some context about the significance or importance or why, why it was groundbreaking in its time. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit like getting, uh, getting into film school. Very cool. So yeah, having having a great time digging around in there. I don't have it yet. No, you're you're you've you've got your you've got your uh, what your Apple Plus coming your Disney Plus all the pluses what, what are the Steve pluses all the got? pluses what, what, I'm gonna get all the pluses <laughs> yeah all the pluses he's gonna be Pete plus plus right yeah I'm waiting for I'm waiting for all the pluses and uh, they we've got uh, we've got dollars associated with one of the new pluses uh, thank you Disney. Mm, six ninety nine. That's uh, that's market domination pricing, is what that is. That's that's how you get a lot of people to jump on board quickly, and yep. then they can jack the price up. Yep, that's right. That's right. Get on there in two oh, years. It'll you guys... be twenty four ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, because you got your email from Netflix that they were going to be charging you more because that just happened uh, in the past was it week or yeah. two. They're bumping there up by a dollar or two to pay for all that original content that, that nobody has time I don't to watch. watch it. I, I, okay, I watched some of it, but not really. Uh, and that's... You know, oh, I you heard, watch Stranger Things. I see, that's you the watch problem. It, it, it is Stranger Things. And yeah. I say that right now, I'm, I'm catching up on the last season of Arrested Development uh, this week. So <laughs> I, I do watch some of it but i'm just i'm not on netflix nearly as much as i'm on hulu right now i'm on hulu all the time um and amazon uh amazon prime i'm on right now so i you know i know it it comes in in waves but i um i'm looking at this at at what disney is is going to have and it just seems like they want to introduce a new staple like you'll start by subscribe building your subscriptions with Disney Plus it's you know 7 bucks a month and then you'll add the other ones from there um is, is that that's kind of how i have it in my head that what they're trying to position as and it seems seems like a no brainer if you if you you know love this content if you have kids it's really a no brainer yeah so it really is well and it's also a smart way to really start pushing some of those uh those people who still have cords away from their cords right because uh, i mean disney was one of the reasons that i have some friends who are like oh well we still subscribe to the disney channel for the kids so Mm -hmm. we still want that now that this is going to be an option i see more people going oh crap if i want disney if i want to be able to show that stuff to my kids uh we're gonna have to cut the cord you know, get a a streaming setup so that we can now um, start um, putting those sorts of things uh, back in front of them. So, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting strategy. Putting those things back in front of my kids. <laughs> you know, once we strap them in the chair. <laughs> right. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> uh, but you know, we are getting some nods about what kind of stuff they're gonna they're gonna put on it, and and uh, you know they're they're heaving up on cust- on on new shows and uh, new content, and it it looks there's some stuff that looks really promising. Um, so I I tried to be super cynical i really do and i know deep down i i I guess i am but i also like that sweet sweet content yeah i mean just marvel wise we've got the hawkeye show that they're talking about wandavision with with lady hawkeye what (laughs) 
That's that was so such great. a great uh, a great addition to the new Hawkeye comic, and yeah, uh, really I think was. that could be really fun. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they do there. Plus, it gives Jeremy Renner, Renner a chance to actually do more with the Hawkeye character because he yeah. has never had as much as some of the other people. Right. But um, and I I don't know how much there really will be of him, but I'm still I'm still excited regardless. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and you started mentioning uh, WandaVision. Yeah, WandaVision also, which is uh, kind of a, a spin-off show with uh, Wanda and Vision, Scarlet Witch. And uh, that will be an interesting one. And, and uh, Feige's talking about how all these different shows are really going to be part of the universe and everything is going to have kind of a, you know, a connection to the story. So it's an interesting way to really kind of get people to keep watching in all sorts of different capacities uh, because there's that one and then there's the Falcon and Winter Soldier show. So. Wow. And, and don't forget about the what if series. Oh, yeah. That's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And then I see they're uh, they're digging into the properties that they own and rumors are there's series or movies based on some of these properties, including things like Three Men and a Baby. Because <laughs> I know everybody has been eager no. to go back to that well again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Steve Gutenberg is the one who's really pushing that. Yeah, Come yeah, on, guys. I, think so. I think he's. I, need this. <laughs> I, I see him doing a a Star Is Born James Mason speech to the Disney team. <laughs> I just I need a job. Just <laughs> yeah, me and my robot buddy. <laughs> um, the you know on the on the other side of that, the poor X Men people. Uh, Feige also said this week that um, uh, don't hold your breath for X-Men to join the MCU, one. Uh, and I love the way he positioned it. Right now, it's just more of a comfort that they're all back in the same stable. <laughs> but but really, oh. you know, what we have planned for the MCU for whatever comes next after Endgame, uh, you, you know, we've got about five years planned out. And so we're not, and that doesn't include the X-Men because this, all this planning was done, uh, you know, before the, the business side had been worked out. So uh, it'll be, he says, at least five years before we have some sort of integration between X-Men and, and MCU. Who knows who's going to be our, our, you know, principal spate of characters by then. Uh, but one thing he did say is that uh, they are looking to recast everyone in that in the x-men universe so far so expect dark phoenix to be the very last of the existing uh current x-men catalog uh new faces coming forth with uh x-men over the next five years do we feel are we do we feel heartbroken heartbroken about that they've uh no not really I'll tell you why I'm a little bit heartbroken about that, Andy, because the movie that I think should have been, as he spoke, the last of the current spate of X-Men characters, shouldn't that be New Mutants? Where is New Mutants? Mm. That was the movie I was looking forward to oh. more than anything. And there is no mention of oh. New Mutants anywhere. It's still All right. it's funny because I was I was I was back in the archives. What was that a year, a year and a mm -hmm. half ago? Two years ago when that was announced and then, oh, no, wait, we're going to we're pushing it back because there's a release date conflict or something or, or we, we're going to make it scarier. And it's just been nowhere. And I think I checked. It's supposed to be sometime this year, this October, I think. 
is the uh, yeah, well. release date that I saw. And so I, I don't, I don't know what's, uh, I don't know how any of that, that lines cause... up with all of these X-Men comics, but that are comments, but that's, yeah. that's a thing that I find disappointing right now. Oh, it's, uh, uh, August. It looks like is the release date on that. So we, we may get another trailer, uh, and, and yeah. see, cause we're starting to get summer trailers yep, coming yep. out. So yeah, August 2nd. So we can. We can do a little comparison to what we thought of it. I don't. I don't even know if we can if ago. we can trust a release date on that movie anymore. Like I feel like it'll be August first, and they might come out and say, Ew, "Oops, <laughs> we dropped the hard drive." <laughs> we'll see yeah. you next year or never. I hope they they figure that out because I am really curious about about what they're going to. Uh, totally. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just one that they're trying to dump and just like get out of the way. Uh, just so they don't have uh, to, uh, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, there it is. People can have it. And mm-hmm. then we don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, you know, I wish they would do that with, uh, with Aladdin, but that's, you know, <laughs> this, is the, this is the one they're going to be doing that with. <laughs> oh, you, you know, you guys, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not loving Aladdin or, uh, Lion King. I'm not loving these live action so, things. You know, the, the Lion King, here's the thing that I find really really interesting or i i guess it makes me curious and it, i i almost want to watch it just to see um one i i think it's a much more interesting voice cast i like that they actually found a, a, a voice cast that that seems more appropriate i think it's going to be interesting in that regard mm-hmm. it still doesn't mean it needs to be done the things that that worry me and i don't know how they're going to handle it because what they're doing is they're creating this very realistic world how are they going to handle the musical numbers for just can't wait to be king and uh be prepared both of which went to kind of they they really played with the animation in a way that made for an animated movie and i don't know how they're going to introduce something like that in something that is meant to be kind of photorealistic and I don't know. Makes well, me worried. I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, Andy uh, Beauty and the Beast because the whole uh, be our guest turns into like a huge like Broadway production number in the animated one. I'm trying to remember they did something comparable in that one. I believe it, I don't think it was quite the spectacle, but it, it still had that. The, feel. Yeah, so I think the animation style was the same though. It's yeah. like they it was, they were still the same. I mean, there was a bunch of CG like plates and things rolling around and stuff, but yeah. I mean, for the most part, yeah. okay. it was still, yeah. uh, you know, the same animation style, and so um, it was just bigger and grander. Like you said, it was very much a Broadway musical. Yeah. But like, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but just can't wait to be king. Like everything turns like like all of the characters kind of become like uh, kind of this uh, really artsy characters you know everything kind of changes mm-hmm. into these vibrant colors of the animals and everything mm-hmm. so i don't know i i don't know i'm i'm curious and i i know there's been discussion because the trailer was like shot for shot but i i remember reading an article saying yeah they did that for the trailer but the movie is not a like shot for shot we're just redoing everything but with the you know in a live action format that it's going to be its own thing it's going to be the same story but they're not going back and just saying oh okay we're going to recreate this shot for shot it's going to be just as they've done with the other ones it will be its own thing it's going to be the same story i'm sure there are iconic moments that they will emulate but i know there was lots of discussion about oh why even bother why are we doing why do a shot for shot but 
from what I recall, and I'd have to dig around to find the article, that's not what John Favreau is doing with Lion King. Well, everything so far seems very shot for shot. <laughs> you yes. watch the trailers, and I'm like, did they cut this exactly the way the right. other trailers cut? Yes, yes, they I did. I think that was intentional. It was intentional. Um, yeah, that's um, odd. We'll yeah. see. Well, that's what odd. do we? Where do we stand yeah. on Dumbo? I have, still haven't seen it, but man, it is. Nobody is interested in seeing it around here. So I, you know. No, we're not in that sweet spot, I guess, a 12 and 16 year old and then two adults who grew up with the franchise or with the the, uh, character. None of us are interested in seeing it. Because it's like the most depressing, (laughs) what I recall from like the the original was it was like this like horribly like tragic, depressing story of just like oppression or something. And (laughs) yeah, it was upsetting. I don't remember any was was it a musical? Were there even songs in yeah, there? I guess the, the mother sings one to him. But again, it was, yeah, not an uplifting, joyous story that I recall. It's so. it's much more uplifting and joyous than you remember. Um, okay. I uh, We're actually talking about taking the kids to it this weekend. So we okay. shall see. But, I'm but very Andy, curious about what they do. Do they it. want to see it? They, yeah. Okay. Because you <laughs> were making you them go. Them. I'm I'm very we're taking them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're not at an age where they can really be like, no, right. I don't want to go. It's like, no, we're taking you. We're going to make you well, see here's this. Here's an interesting question to, to my ear that, you know, the film right now is, according to Box Office Mojo, is sitting at $220 million worldwide uh, in Disney's catalog in an era when they're looking at, you know, Captain Marvel cresting a billion dollars is 220 million still successful uh is does it nah, no it's peen it's peanuts that's what it is did it even well you know it, dumbo worked for peanuts, <laughs> worked for peanuts. <laughs> yes he right. did it's uh yeah that'll be interesting well interesting beauty and the beast that, that one made ended up making worldwide 1.2 billion mm-hmm. uh so that uh that would uh, made a pretty penny uh the jungle book Let's see what that one did. That one did uh, not quite a, a billion. It was at 966.5 million. Um, so it was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's Dragon. Um, uh, only uh, only 100 and f- about 144 million. So, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was uh, one of their best that they've done. That was really a great change to that story that made a much better film because the original uh was not that great it was bananas Um, and then maleficent um 758.5 million and that one's getting a sequel so well it's interesting obviously they've got a checklist of all of their animated films and they're just filling in the holes Uh, lady and the tramp is coming next yeah, yeah So, and, uh, you know, they just, they just keep doing it. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much I really am thrilled that they keep doing it. I, I think there are times when they find a way to capture some magic with it, but I don't think it's been as often as, uh, makes it worth it. We watched, um, uh, my, my family had not seen Mary Poppins Returns, So we watched that last night. And, and I think to your point, that's an interesting one because we really enjoyed it, but all of us came away from it saying, wow, that was a remake. And 
yeah, yeah, I still found a lot of joy in the songs, and um, you know, I I enjoyed what they did, where they put these characters, and the the challenges that they had to kind of overcome. Um, it, but you know, it was it, it had some very familiar nods to the original film, and at at times it it felt a little bit tired, and and um, so I, I found that a bit of a curiosity. Um, well. And and I guess the story with that is that, and I haven't read the books, but apparently the the series of books that um, that they're based on are very much that way. Yeah, where it's kind of the similar story each time, and so they pulled it from a couple of the other books. It still just ends up having a very the same story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but I, I agree with you. Although the music is the best part of that. The music was I was. So impressed with the music. I mean, they just did a, a great job of of finding the right tone, um, you know, to keep it moving. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was joyful. and to fit into that world. It like, totally I was really fit into the world. Yeah, I marveled what they did to make it feel like wow, this feels like it could have been written by the Sherman Brothers back in the sixties. Yep, yep. Oh, absolutely. They, I think uh, Emily Blunt's uh, Mary Poppins was also interesting. It was it it felt to me very much like a. Uh, 20 years more experienced and kind of emotionally weathered Mary Poppins. Like she, there was more sarcasm in her. There was more just sort of, uh, I don't know, I, she felt like Mary Poppins, but also a little bit frustrated. And I, I thought that was really kind of cool. <laughs> like she's just sort of exhausted with this. Oh, really? We're doing this? Okay, we're going to do this again. That's fine. Let's sing a song about it. Get in the pool, kids. Watch the dolphin. Uh, you know? <laughs> Uh, so I thought she was great. Um, there is uh, a. We need to do trailers. There is a mm. notable absence. There is from our yes, trailers. I wanna, I, we need I to talk th- about that. Thank you both. Thank you both so much for that. You know, I, I truly, truly appreciate that. It's it's because you started being on this show that we can't talk about these trailers anymore. Yeah. Curse you. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Ah, it's just well, and particularly this one because it is now, it's it just opened it. It's opening up old wounds, and the whole internet is tearing itself apart about oh, now they're just undoing everything from Last Jedi because people hate that. And it's just open, and I'm like, I'm just avoiding all that nonsense so I can just go in and watch this movie without getting into. All the specifics of like, well, it's called the what is it the the rise of Tras. Skywalker. So what does that yeah. mean? Tras. So yeah, I'm like, I don't care. I just I'm gonna go and watch the story, and I'm not gonna sit here and speculate. Are they are, are they retconning things, and is this the original intent of what they were doing, and all that? Because I don't care. I'm just gonna go and see the story that they're telling me, and then it's done. So I thank you for not putting the trailer on here because. I managed to for for you know the the prior two for you know seven and episode seven and eight walk in pretty much unspoiled, not really having seen much of anything, and I I had what I think is a close to pure experience of just watching a movie and enjoying it, and have tried to avoid all controversy and anger and trolling and all of that stuff, and and even getting into that. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Steve. 
Well, now after he says all that, I feel like we can't talk I about know. it. <laughs> thanks, thanks for killing that. <laughs> That's right. Let's get things moving. All right. Wow. Then let's did you just see what say, he did there, Pete? Did you see what he just did? I do. No, he's totally, yeah, he absolutely manufactured this entire conversation to his own, uh, to his own whims. Uh, so in the show notes, I have now written, we are not talking about the Star Wars Tros trailer. Moving on. And I maybe we do a post credits <laughs> conversation where Steve leaves and Andy and I talk about it. <laughs> no, you you can you you are free to do that, and because I think there are people that are out there, and I, but I know there are some people that uh, you know Ben yeah. Lott is another one that just you know as he said, I wish there was a way I could just mute all mention of Star Wars on my you know on Facebook and Twitter because even though he doesn't you know see the trailer, it's it's going to start showing up everywhere. So yeah, I think you guys can do a little you know. A, addendum you know <laughs> thing at the end because uh, i know there are people that, that probably want to get into that so i'm just not one of them. okay that's fair let's do trailers and andy okay. and i'll figure out what the future okay. looks like in the future as it is supposed to be done <laughs> the future 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 the future future uh okay um do we have any um rules to follow no we don't I feel like there's going to have to now be a Dave Batista rule. I kind of feel like there's a Dave Batista rule, but okay, how do we but, do that okay. when we have two yeah. Dave Batista movies? Well, I think I think you're the one who uh, gets to kick off the Dave Batista rule because last time you picked a Dave Batista trailer, you talked how much you loved him and you wanted to see more of him. So okay. it makes sense that it's your rule. You get to pull. Well, first, yeah, I, I want to say I pick. do love Dave Batista. I love... I, I love who he is. I was not going to do this trailer. I was going to do Traz, and I was bullied into doing this trailer by both of you. So, uh, suck it. You're telling me you don't you don't enjoy this I, trailer? No, I'm not saying that. I had not even watched this trailer when oh. you both told me, Pete, you're doing Stuber. I had not even seen it, so I was dragged to this trailer. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. This is, of course, Stuber, uh, uh, director Michael Drouse, writer Tripper Clancy, uh, starring Dave Bautista and the amazingly funny uh, Kumail Nanjiani uh, with Karen Gillan, uh, Marvel tie-in there, and I, Natalie Morales. And uh, it is the story of a grizzled detective, Dave Bautista, who gets in. <laughs> Gets into an Uber pool driven by Kamel Nanjani and the hijinks that ensue. There are many hijinks. It's uh, one of those movies. It's a fish out of water buddy cop movie. And I I really enjoyed the trailer. I thought it was funny. Is you know, it's not of mice and men. So it's <laughs> it, you're gonna get it's it, what you get. It's on the tin. That's what you're getting. But it, with it's, 132 reviews, it does crest <laughs> the six star rule on IMDb at a 6.4. And the trailer made me laugh, especially the part about the gun at the end. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> I laughed out loud. What do you guys think? It appears to me that the Dave Batista is basically on the, well, I'm going to do what Dwayne Johnson did track because it seemed to work really well for him. Which is Doing funny some on other his things. comments of Dwayne Johnson. Uh, <laughs> yes, but it's you, you. You know, you're known for action, and then you you do some of these goofy comedies, and then it just opens you up to this this broader audience, and you can make this amazing career if you look what Dwayne Johnson has done. But yeah, starting with like the you know, it's the Scorpion King, and then doing some action movies, but then doing things like I'm trying to remember what was the one Dwayne did was the, like the Tooth Fairy. You know, you do those quirky family mm -hmm. comedies, um, and I I'm excited because they. It's a great time for comedy. It, it 
this really looks enjoyable to me. I, I love Kamel Nanjani. This one, it's a perfect summertime movie to get out of the heat here in Phoenix. I'm going to go see this with the family. We're going to have a good time. And it's, uh, you know, it's the ride share of your life or whatever they're, they're, they're tra- tagging for it, right? <laughs> if that's not, it should be. Yeah. The ride share of your life. I uh, I love uh, Nanjani. I think that uh, that he has a lot of talent. This ends up feeling like a very kind of standard comedy like this that I'm not 100% convinced is going to work that well. Michael Douse is a director I've actually uh, worked with before. And, you know, I think he's uh, he's okay i think he's one of those directors who's probably better when he's doing the more indie types of projects like goon rather than um the mess that i worked on him with uh take me home tonight um this uh, you know i think if anything is going to save this it's the it's the the way that Nanjani and Batista will end up working together and just kind of how that relationship is going to grow and the chemistry those two are going to have. That's what a, a comedy like this really uh, survives on. And so to that end, I think it looks like it has it from the trailer. Um, hopefully it will be a fun watch. I doubt it's something I'd see in a theater, but it might be perfect for like late night uh, TV. Yeah, I, that's that's exactly it. <laughs> You know, this is a Netflix movie. There you go. This is why I'm keeping Netflix. Uh, because it just feels <laughs> like one of those movies that I'm going to watch late at night when I don't know what to watch on Netflix. Although, uh, I just finished the uh, last or the most recent season of Silicon Valley. And uh, Kumail Nanjani in that show is just fantastic and absurd. And there's this whole sub storyline about him and his Tesla and his efforts to get everybody else to buy Teslas in his office so that he can get the custom wheels. And it is like, it's just straight up fantastic comedy. So um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. And so I'll, you know, he's becoming one of those guys that I'll see for him. But a lot of this, a lot of the, the sort of feeling I get about this movie is that it's the movie that they shot um, before other things started happening in their careers. And now this one just has to come out. You know, like they just it just has to be released so they can move on. And um, so we'll see. We'll see if it's it can exceed that. Uh, but there you go. Opening with the Dave Batista uh, rule here, July 12th, 2019. Well, I've got the other Dave Batista trailer. This week. <laughs> <laughs> and I really picked it only because uh, in the hopes that we would do the Dave Batista double feature. <laughs> Because um, honestly, there also were just not a lot of trailers that thrilled me. I really didn't want to talk about Johnny Depp's new one. Um, my trailer is My Spy. It is a, uh, I guess, a family-friendly spy movie with, uh, it, you know, this is another comedy we've seen a countless number of times where you have an action hero who is somehow... Uh, put into a position where he has to kind of uh, take care of a young child. And in this case, Dave Batista is a uh, CIA operative who, as we learn from Ken Jeong, his his uh, supervisor, he's not that great at his work in the field because when he's supposed to bring somebody in alive to be questioned, he ends up killing everybody. He's a mess of a, sp- of a uh, kind of a operative. And so he's doing undercover on a family with his partner, uh, played by Kristen Schaal, who I always find funny. 
and uh, they uh, this nine year old girl ends up kind of uh, kind of jumping into the fray, and uh, and they have to kind of take her along. And it's it's you know comedy ensues as <laughs> Dave Bautista and the young girl played by um, uh, who is the young girl? Is it Parissa Fitzhenley? Uh, they have to kind of work together to uh, you know she helps him learn to be a uh, a a better uh you know a better person and better at his job etc cetera, etc cetera. uh and actually um it's chloe coleman I think it was chloe coleman yeah. is the kid yeah sorry i think that was his mother uh and she helps him be better at being a person and not necessarily thinking of everything as uh, you know kind of is in the world of spy and kind of the dark craziness and uh and he helps her i don't know presumably with something um, it's, it's got comedy moments. Uh, I don't think that the fact that Peter Siegel, who directed it, gives me much hope at all. Um, he is the director of such fair as, um, Naked Gun 33 and a third, uh, Tommy Boy. Some people will love him for that. My Some fellow Americans. Some people do. Yep. 51st uh, date, Sandy. 51st dates yeah he's got some stuff but then there's like and they said from the director of get smart i'm like that's what they're going with <laughs> get smart yeah why would they put that in there it makes people not want to watch it yeah at least they didn't put nutty professor to the clumps right so i don't know i i don't know i'm not super excited about this one um i i doubt it's something i will seek out but it was dave batista and i just wanted to do the double feature so what'd you guys think well, I, you know, for me, I, the it, it gives me a, just a, a marginal hope, and then those hopes are immediately dashed. That it comes from the writing uh, brothers behind successful writing brothers, John and Eric Hober, uh, who did you guys. I mean, you enjoy the Red movies, right? I haven't seen them. Red, yes, uh, and and what? the Meg, uh, and so. <laughs> There's and that. battleship and battle. There's that's the <laughs> one. Is, that's the yes. one. That's battleship. I had yes. some trouble with battleship, but you know these guys are. You know, raise a glass. They are. They're working <laughs> screenwriters in Hollywood, and they're making very yes, they big are. movies, and that should be uh, something of uh, grand <clears throat> excitement. So, uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations, making this movie. Making movies is great. This is also one that just feels. It, it feels so much like a double feature between my trailer and. I am looking forward yes. to jumping back to uh, the Dave Batista affair uh, that uh, I, I feel like he was on. He was like on the cusp of and I want him to get back to this when he did the uh, what was the Bushwick, which I really enjoyed. I had such a great time with Bushwick. And and that's more of the stuff that I want to see him move into post Guardians of the Galaxy Avengers. And this stuff is not that stuff. He is uh, in the upcoming uh, 2020 uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, Dune uh, uh, remake, remake, reboot. Uh, so we'll see what happens. He's definitely that that's a, the direction I like. Those are the people I like seeing him working with. So more of that, please. I just think that now he after these two trailers, I think he does need to come out and apologize to Dwayne Johnson for saying that he's a terrible actor. I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yes. everything that he's doing here indicates all he wants is to be in a movie with Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> well, 
Pete he is. Uh, well, this is IMDb yeah. and everything always changes. But after Dune, it looks like Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. <laughs> Zombie outbreak in the Las Zach Vegas. Snyder. Oh, <laughs> Zack Snyder. Yes. So I know we will see how that goes. I know. Uh, yes, <sighs> we'll see. All right. Oh, it's it's an action fest of trailers this week is what we've got. Right. True that. And and uh, I think they're all of a piece because they're all movies that I, I will probably consider seeing in the theater just for the spectacle and enjoying it with a large group of people. But mine as well is, is one where, um, yeah, I could probably wait to see it on streaming or something like that, especially since it looks to be a, a retread of, of, two movies we've seen before, which were featured or mentioned in the trailer, you know, Luke Bassat from the person that brought you Lucy and the professional. And I thought, yep. yes, this is, if you squash <laughs> those two movies together, that's what you're going to get with Anna or Anna written and directed by Luke Bassad. But we've got a, you know, a, a model that's a secret spy. And this says it's a trailer but it's really, I, you don't get a whole lot because the majority of the trailer is her just, in the fight scene in the restaurant, which reminded me of uh, in, in Nikita when she goes, it's like one of her first jobs. She's got to shoot the guy in the restaurant. And I'm like, oh, but if that went wrong, we end up, you know, fighting with plates and dishes and, and all of that. And then we have Helen Mirren uh, appearing as sort of the mentor uh, character. I thought, oh, this is I, this looks like we're revisiting this type of story again. And I enjoyed both of those movies. Um, hopefully Anna doesn't get turned into a flash drive at the end of yeah. this one, but <laughs> it, it will be fun. It will not have a lot to it, but this is uh hitting theaters, June 21st, perfect summertime. Just go and eat some popcorn and, and have a lot of fun, uh, with this one. And, but we also have, uh, Luke Evans in this as well as, you know, somebody, uh, there's, there's a few familiar faces in here. So I'm, I'm going to go have fun with this one, but that's, that's all it is. All three of these just, you know, go turn off your brain, enjoy some action and some fighting. That's what we get during the summers now. Right. Mm -hmm. This is the 12th film titled Anna. Just, just important to know if you're looking. And he was having yeah. trouble finding it. Yes. <laughs> nope, not that one either. Dang it. No, not that one. Nope. Nope. I I think uh you know, it's I I'm not probably not going to take in this one in the theater um because solely because of Lucy. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm offended. Uh, the uh, but I, what I find most interesting, he's got this one in terms of Luke Besson's writing credits. He has Anna, which is coming out this year, and then he is co-writer on a film called Twice. Uh, and the the um, uh, synopsis is after finding a military arsenal in her home, a wife learns her husband of 20 years isn't the man she thought he was. In fact, she questions if he's really her husband at all. So another sort of undercover spy military arsenal thing. And then announced Lucy 2 and Columbiana 2. And really, <laughs> Luke, 
<laughs> where the hell is no Valerian for those and sequels. like the, I want to see more spacey stuff man that's where you yeah. shine so let's take us back to space and do something fun like that I'm done with you and your wackadoo action take I'm done you say that but it's clear that his career is defined by uh, movies titled after women <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Nikita Lucy Anna Colombiana no <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't remember Columbiana. Maybe he produced that one, but uh, Angel A was one of his. I guess just people in general. You have Leon. Yeah, uh, you know you've got um, Arthur Three. Uh, all the Arthur films. The Transporter. The Arthur, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a title. It's a person. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I miss Subway. Oh, yeah. You guys really like Subway? The Big Blue. Those were. Those were my movies, man. That was. That was Christopher Lambert and and in that Luke Besson. Mm -hmm. That was a fun movie. I'm done. Move on. Somebody get us out of this. But let's do our lists. Let's 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 move along. Let's get into our list. We're closing out our Star is Born series uh, this week with the release of uh, the episode about the 2018 version. And we put it to the all of the uh, lovely uh, folks over on our Discord channel to pick what we would be uh, talking about. And. I think it's it's a pretty uh, big margin. Nobody wanted to really hear us talking about uh, the other two options, clearly, which were family business and movies with Oscar-nominated songs. It really was all about actors who really were playing their instruments. So that's, uh, that's what we're going to do. Actors playing their instruments. Let's do our lists. All right. Who wants to all kick right. it off? I guess all, right. all right. Yeah, Pete starts all it, right? right? His trailer uh, went first. first. He yeah, starts. Thank yeah. you, uh, Dave Bautista, for that. <laughs> on a great honor. I'm going to start. Now this is going to be a whole new reason to like, you know, I've got to find a red, red band trailer red band so A24. I can go first on Red my band list. A24 with Dave Bautista with Dave. in it. That's the triple That's crown. the ultimate. When that happens, yeah. this show is going to explode. That's right. <laughs> there will probably be two of them in one week. Um, but the first one that I, I want to start with, I think is, is uh, it was a really interesting film. I, I quite enjoyed it and I didn't think I was going to. Uh, it, it's a biopic of of, uh, Beach Boys leader Brian Wilson, played by two actors, John Cusack and Paul Dano. And uh, I, I found myself really moved by this movie, particularly between the relationship of, of uh, Paul Giamatti and, and John Cusack. I thought they were really great together. And it was it, it, this is one of those Elizabeth Banks movies where she's like, totally normal and awesome and i enjoyed her in it too the the musical bit um i this is the thing i thought was interesting paul dano uh talks at length about how much practicing he had to do to learn to play the piano uh in, in order to pull this off and there's a lot of studio stuff in the in his part of the film and and as i'm i went back watching it because i never believed that he was playing the piano when he did this movie, I thought it was sidelined and that it was overdubbed by somebody else because his fingers just don't look natural. They don't look like a piano player's fingers on the piano. But then I went this morning and I watched some Brian Wilson um, with George Martin in the studio. And I'll be damned. Brian Wilson doesn't look like he can play the piano. Like his fingers don't move on the piano like a piano <laughs> players do. That Paul Dano's amazing. He plays the piano for real the way uh Brian Wilson looks like he doesn't know how to play the piano. 
I was really surprised by that. And I think for my number three uh, okay. pick, it, it's it's got to be that sort of meta uh, experience. Uh, Love and Mercy, Paul Dano plays Brian Wilson's piano like Brian Wilson does. Uh, you came so close to uh, uh, sounding like you're uh, I know. a Naked Ladies I know. Song. Lying in bed, yeah. just like Brian Wilson did. Playing the piano just like Brian, <laughs> Brian Wilson, Wilson did. did. There you go. What'd you guys, I mean, have you guys seen this movie yet? No. Uh, no. No. Is it? I, yeah, it's just one of those. Uh, it was a trailer well, pick. Jack I mean, Hughes it was definitely served. a trailer pick. We talked yeah. about it, so it's it should be on the list. It, it's, it should be, a, okay, a trailer yeah. rewind possibility. If it's it's out a 7-4 on okay. IMDb, Chance. It yeah. definitely cruised what, right what, above what's it. it on, what's it on Pete's star scale? I don't Ooh, even have, I didn't have it in Letterboxd yet, but I would put it at a strong yeah. four. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Four and a heart. Right. That's it. Four and a heart. Love and mercy. It's, okay. <laughs> and All right. Now, that's good. It's something JJ can maybe watch. with okay. the piano thing. I mean, I, I don't know. If it hadn't been a heart, I definitely would have thrown a heart at Paul Dano's fake, fake real Brian Wilson piano. <laughs> well, I'll go next. Um, my first pick is a film from the 90s that was a, it was a pretty interesting one. It wasn't something that like won me over completely, but the the lead central performance certainly did. I'm talking about Bernard Rose's film from 1994, Immortal Beloved, starring Gary Oldman as Ludwig van Beethoven. It's the story about uh you know his biographer trying to figure out who this immortal beloved is in uh, some letters that he had left and it's it, it, it i mean it still is like this this mystery like who were who was this immortal beloved that beethoven wrote about um it's there's all sorts of theories but um but specifically i picked this because gary oldman uh, did learn how to play all the beethoven pieces that he see he's seen performing in the film uh, it's not the first time he's learned how to play an instrument for a film but uh, certainly the piano and uh, he spent six weeks practicing on, uh, for six hours a day just totally got into it and uh, it's funny because people actually thought he was miming but um, he's uh, been reported to call them out when when he was uh, doing press junkets because he was in fact playing all of the actual pieces in this film. Um, it's, it was a really interesting film. I loved learning a little bit more about Beethoven and Gary Oldman really, as always, embodied the part brilliantly. Uh, so that's my first pick, Immortal Beloved. That's been on my list for all ages. Right. Uh, I've never it, seen it. Oh. Well, you can put that on your... Uh, <laughs> the I, I don't know yeah. i don't know if i want to do that anymore considering <laughs> considering steve is so ready to watch any other movies all right oh i'm gonna watch that this weekend <laughs> i know yeah. the floodgates uh -huh. have opened and, and then there's in the name yeah. of the father <laughs> yeah this is, i mean i i saw this one and i i you know i really enjoy gary oldman and the, yeah this one i remember enjoying you know it there's there's some there's some moments that that stand out i it's been a long time since I've. Seen yeah, it. I mean, I saw it in theaters in the yeah. in ninety four. Oh, okay, but I mean, it is a seven point yeah. five on IMDb. So yeah, okay, it is well loved. All right, okay, Steve. I'm just I'm going to just stick with the same instrument because we might as well mm -hmm. just do that. Okay, so I'm going to go back also to the nineties, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you because not only did this person learn to play the piano, but also learned sign language and taught 
her on-screen daughter <laughs> sign language. This is Holly Hunter in the piano. Piano just uh, first, really moved first me, feel. and it's one that I have not seen. I really want to get back to because it just such a powerful emotional story uh, for a generation. Because this, uh, it's what it's a twenty. How many years past this? It was like 93. Yeah. So we're what, 25 years? Uh, yeah. Time for a new generation, I think, to discover this movie. And uh, yeah, just solid. Uh, Holly Hunter, Anna Paquin, Harvey Keitel, Sam Neill, amazing story. And it's, and it's, it's a steal. Uh, yeah. It's is a it steal a double? From, it's, is oh, it a double okay. steal? No, it's not a double steal. Oh, I, it was bummer. a bonus All for right. me, but uh, okay. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love this film. It's it's like uh, an, yes. a, an amazing poem. I just I, I've always found it to be incredibly powerful, and it instantly inspired me to try learning some of these songs yes. and realize yeah. how hard they are. Yeah, <laughs> they are really hard to play on the yes. piano. So kudos to Holly Hunter. Yeah. All right. So that comes back to me. Um, all right. Well, I. Um, wow. When I first saw, and I think my next two picks. They're they're all. Piano. Wait, 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 what? That's you, 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 violin. What's this violin you thing? You said you had a violin pick. Yeah, no, it oh. became. It, it was okay. Preempted. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just saying that yeah. to, yes, to make me avoid he's, them. He's See what he did there? You can have. You can yeah, now okay. have a violin pick. It's not a steel. <laughs> I ended up with all piano, and it's because when I started looking at this, I remembered just how I felt as a young sort of guy learning the piano myself, thinking, "God, these this is amazing." When I I enjoyed the movie, and then I learned, uh, you know, what these actors did to actually embody these parts, and I find that to this day incredibly inspirational. And so, one of the early films. Uh, that that did this for me it was 1989's Jim McBride biopic of Jerry Lee Lewis starring Dennis Quaid. And uh, Dennis Quaid already uh, played guitar. Uh, so, I mean, he was already kind of a musician, but he didn't he didn't have that piano thing. And to hear him talk about the work that went into playing great stride piano um, is uh, I, it's really inspirational to me. And, uh, you know, to hear how he talks about that left hand and, and how hard it is to get what Jerry Lee Lewis is doing as a virtuoso piano player um, to make it look so easy, I think is, is amazing. And you can now you can search for Dennis Quaid playing the you know piano and, you know, he still plays Jerry Lee Lewis tunes, you know, in his band and you can see him. I mean, he's still just just crushes it um he looks great doing it for real so uh dennis quaid great With balls of Alec fire baldwin is jimmy swaggered that's <laughs> one of the most, <laughs> most bizarre right. casting choices i recall uh, seeing this uh i don't know i don't think i saw it in the theater but saw it and yeah was it i mean this is you know dennis quaid carries this movie but i was like alec baldwin what are you doing in this movie jimmy swagger what because i think they yeah. were cousins or something like that jerry lee lewis and jimmy swagger uh, or some family relation, but clearly not the cousin he married. That was, you know, Winona Ryder. Yeah, exactly. A different cousin. <laughs> yes, it is. Very complicated. It's very complicated. Yeah. That's fun. I've never seen it. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It is fun. I mean, it, that's the that's the thing. It's just it is it's fun. But it, I to me, it's made better knowing yes his performance is legit. So there you go. For my uh, next pick, I'm I'm going with uh, good old creepy director Woody Allen, and 
<laughs> I'm looking at a film that uh, it 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 didn't wow me, but there were things about it that I found really fascinating. Um, two things really was the fact that it introduced us to really kind of Samantha Morton as an amazing actress, especially in a role where she's mute, and then the fact that Sean Penn was uh, was playing this jazz guitar. Now, technically, I'm a little confused by this because the guitar guitar solos were played by uh, a different guitarist, Howard Alden, but Alden did coach Sean Penn on how to play. So Sean Penn learned how to play the guitar for this film. Um, I just, I, it makes me wonder if they actually just didn't use his recordings, but he did actually learn how to play. So, and I love, that's the other thing that sticks with me is watching Sean Penn play this because it's like, he just, the way that he created like the, the, just the movements and everything that he was doing to kind of do this kind of Django Reinhardt-esque character, I thought was really fascinating. So, uh, so that's my next pick, Sweet and Low Down. That's a, Do you guys see this one? I, no, I, I I'm, seen a, it. I'm a Django fan, but it's Woody Allen, and I, it, yeah, I don't know. He's always hit or miss with me, and so this is one where I just, I don't feel like I'm missing anything by not seeing it. That's, I am, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's more hit than miss. It's it's not one of my favorites, but it's still, I mean, it's 100 percent worth watching just okay. to see Sean Penn and Samantha Morton. I think the two of them had some just just great okay. screen moments throughout the film so uh so it's it's worth looking at just for that and they i mean they yeah. both got oscar nominations they were both wonderful in the all film right. so all right uh, Steve, what's your next one where where to go from here uh well okay i know which things won't be a steal for pete unless he's f- messing with me um <laughs> all right i'll i'll go with this one which i this movie that just it really blew me away with its uh, intensity, and you know, I had to do my searching. Like, what what are the times when you know actors are really playing these instruments? And there's some instruments that are a little bit easier to fake than others. Like piano, you can shoot around. And just you know, you don't have to see the hands, and the arms move, and you're like, oh, okay, we can believe that they're playing the piano. That's all we need. When you get into drumming, it's a little bit more challenging, I think, to hide that. And uh, Miles Teller in Whiplash is one that just really stood out for me. Looking at uh, you know researching this, that that final drum solo they filmed over a couple of days and edited down into that, and it's just one that. Uh, really amazing performance and one that I it just sticks with me when I think of actors really playing instruments. That's that's one that you know really was the first one that came to mind for me. I'm honestly surprised that that wasn't a steal from yeah. Pete, but uh, yeah. yeah, I was convinced that he was going to do that. I I'll tell you, <laughs> it was it, it's high on my list, and the reason I didn't talk about it because there are two movies that I've talked about so extensively about my love for yeah, them yeah. in this regard, and this is one of them, and I just felt like that's that's played for Pete. Pete needs to All find right. some different movies. <laughs> uh, that's honestly what I was thinking. I I just I've talked a lot about Whiplash and uh, over the last couple of years, and it, it's a right. huge favorite. So yeah. And he's yeah. good in it. Oh, God, he's great. He's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that yeah. come back? Is that me now? It's Again? back to you. I can count. Awesome. Uh, so my final pick, uh, this, I was 12 years old when I saw this movie. I saw it in the theaters, the whole thing. And I made the decision to take my, it was a birthday movie for me. And so I made a decision to take my friends to see this movie, uh, um, this uh-huh. Milos Forman movie about 
dueling classical composers. This is Amadeus. I, it took, it was probably another 15 years before I actually learned that Tom Hulse and F. Murray Abraham actually sat down and learned all of the pieces that they were doing on this thing. And it blows me away. Even Tom Hulse doing the upside down uh, uh, piano trick that Mozart was uh, known for. Uh, he, he did the whole thing. And it was it was amazing. Like it's one of those worlds opening kind of things to see how how deeply they went into these performances. I think they did a terrific job. The music is wonderful. And, um, you know, it's it's neat to watch them do this when they don't have, you know, the the specter of Jerry Lee Lewis, for example, standing over Dennis Quaid saying, you don't have it right yet, boy. You know, um, these guys get to actually not only play, but interpret. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a demonstration of real craft. And that movie was just fantastic. I was the only one to enjoy it <laughs> on my birthday. Imagine and that. So to Johnny Gallagher and Dogan Barnes and John Bridgman, I am sorry all of you for taking you Dom Deus when we were 12. I regret that. We should have seen something with more fighting in it. But I really loved it. So there you go. That's funny. That's like, you know, taking your your friends yeah. to Chariots of Fire for your birthday party or something. It's like, you know. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, I can Dom only Deus hope that these three movie. have joined, learned to enjoy it over the years as much as I have. So I actually tried putting that on for the kids. Uh, oh, they're know, not year ready. Or so. yeah. And I forget. It yeah. starts off with like, a, yeah. you know, he's trying to kill himself. I'm like, yeah. no, I forgot where, <laughs> yeah. where we kick off with this movie. Let's watch yep. something else. But I'm like, oh, it's all about a composer. Great music. All this stuff. And yeah. No, no, no. Oh, my. Well, my uh, final pick is uh, going from one creepy director to another. This is Roman Polanski. Um <laughs> It, you know, you know. Say what you will about Roman Polanski uh, and his uh, his awfulness as a human being. Um, I think that he has made some great films, and The Pianist is one of them. This film uh, really just just hit a chord with me. I know it did for. Uh, I mean, it's pretty high. It's eight point five on IMDb. It hit a chord for a lot of people, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story about uh, Vladislav Spielman. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that uh, poorly, but. Um, Wonderfully, wonderfully played by Adrian Brody, who learned how to play all of the music for this film. And and he does it brilliantly. He's just great. And he really makes this film what it is because his performance is so powerful. Um, and just the piano work is beautiful. I mean, it's a really haunting, um, touching Holocaust film that's definitely worth seeing. So that's my final pick, The Pianist. It's amazing. He is so good. He's so good. This was on my list, too. Um, I'm I'm so glad you put this on there. His when he sits down in that uh, with the soldier watching him play that ballad oh, in G yeah. minor, it's it's just haunting. It's really good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nope, haven't seen it, Steve. That's uh, oh! there's the the Polanski <laughs> thing, and then there's just uh, one of these things where uh, it's it's just the the setting of that is one where I just feel like I just I just worn out from yeah and i know it's i've heard great things about it and i adrian brody yes i just yeah don't want to yeah. put myself through that well, it's it's all. worth it if you uh ever find yeah. the time i hear yeah. nick langdon recommends it for you so you should watch it this weekend. <laughs> you should watch it today <laughs> <laughs> okay okay all right 
No, that's the no, I know, Polanski I know. Factor, and that's but, the unfortunate okay. thing about that is I feel like I don't want to watch Polanski movies anymore. But then there's there's that like that exists. And so I you know, there there are certain films of his that I just have to separate myself from from him just so I can. You know. Sure. Oh, yeah. no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. All right. What's okay. your last one? All right. Oh, I'm uh, my last one uh, is instrument. Nobody else. Ooh, is it a violin? Is it the violin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it is not the violin. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know how often this happens, but you know, sometimes you're just called to spend six hours a week learning oh, to play yes. the auto harp when you when you're Reese Witherspoon in uh, preparing for Walk the Line. This one where I felt, oh, I probably could have done both of them, but I felt like I'm going to go with the unusual one because I think you could probably think, uh, you know, piano guitar. That's something that people could pick up and sort of just play around with uh i don't know that anybody's just like hey you know having some friends over just gonna pull out the auto harp and just play that for a while so i, I think it's the the unusual factor on that one um i doubt anyone you know reese witherspoon had any experience with auto harp before even starting this so she wasn't building on any like oh as a kid i played around on the piano or guitar um so that's my final pick here for well, that was on my list too it was, it was one of my have, backups Yep. Yeah, it's a backup. Uh, it was. It was, okay. it was. I don't know if I can call it a backup. It was like it's either this or that. You know, it was, yeah. was going to be either this or Immortal Beloved yeah. for my third choice. But I mean, Walk the Line is such okay. a really fantastic one. So I think it's it's definitely worth bringing up because both of them do such a great job in that film. Totally, totally. Walking Phoenix is amazing. Yes, I, I did. I yes. did. Ha- yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, uh, speaking of backups, and this is one that I I wanted to put in, but because of our rules stuff that's been talked on the main show but there's a there's a great little feature on YouTube from uh, Scott Pilgrim where they basically talking about everybody else in the band had to learn how to play except Michael Sarah and one of the I forget who it, somebody says yeah I think Michael's like toning it down because he doesn't want to yeah. make everybody else look really bad <laughs> at what they're doing because they have just they're they're trying this uh to learn these instruments and he's just like okay yeah that's what he does so it's an entertaining little short there about Scott Pilgrim and each of them learning and how intimidated they are. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, well, I had another topic. backup, which was Chaplin, because uh Jr. learned how to play the violin. That, that was, that was my one. violin one. That was Is my that violin. The one? violin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also was, uh, you know, I was torn Sid and Nancy, Blue Valentine. Like there were some other options, but. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, all in all, I think it's a pretty good list. I had uh, I had two, yeah, uh, so no, I have I, I have three on my backup list that, or my I'm going to call my bonus list because cheating. Uh, first, Don Cheadle does not play the trumpet in Miles Ahead, but learned the trumpet to play Miles Ahead, and I find that really heartbreaking because he worked so hard to actually learn the trumpet. And in this interview, he says, "Yeah, in the end, I just couldn't do it. Like it wasn't good enough." And for most of the movie, they had overdubbed him. Um, you know, with actual Miles tracks, because it's, you know, it's a Miles Davis movie. So you use Miles Davis music. But on the improv stuff, he said, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. But I did learn to play the trumpet to to make that work. I thought that was really cool. The one that that I find equally disappointing, though, um, is the fabulous Baker Boys, uh, in which the Bridges brothers actually learned a lot of the music but they were all sidelined. They were all playing dummy pianos and they were overdubbed by Dave Grusin and uh, the other name escapes me. Um, but Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, does her own singing in that movie, which is great. There yeah. is one scene where Jeff Bridges is alone in a lounge and he's playing a real piano and he's playing himself, um, which I think is very cool. And and you can look up clips of Bridges playing 
elsewhere. There's a, a great clip at one of these benefits where Jeff Bridges is playing, taking turns with Andy Garcia playing piano for people, which is really fun. Uh, and well, finally, you do have him in, in Crazy Heart, too. Yeah, yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, which was also on the list. And finally, yeah. Nashville, where Robert Altman not only made all of his actors play their <laughs> own music, but write it. Come on. That feels like a, a hard miss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, great list. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. Lots of yes. Good stuff. What are we doing next week? What's, Andy, uh, you got to own this one because I haven't yeah. finished you, watching it where yet. Where are you guys going? Oh, geez. Uh, that's a, a good question. Well, it's, it's about trying to figure out, uh, you know, where you are in life, you know, and just kind of your path for life. It's, I mean, it's about uh, uh, grad students and he's, I think he's doing a, I want to say it's like a study abroad type of program. And so he goes to live in this apartment in Spain and it's a group of students from all over uh, Europe who are all living in this place together. So we could certainly do um, like study abroad type of things. Um, we could do, um, uh, you know, a flatmate type of movie where you've mm -hmm. got a bunch of people living together and having to, you know, get along and stuff. You've got, um, let's see, there's, uh, what else do we have? We've got the whole cultural uh, blending of a bunch of different cultures coming together. I, um, I, I like both of those. I also like the idea of uh, movies about like figuring out who you are. You know, yeah. like figuring out. I don't know if that's the thing that ends up with this movie, but that's certainly how the first fifteen minutes. Oh set yeah, me no, up. there's definitely some of that. Is trying yeah. to figure out, you know, who who you who are you going to be? What are you going to do with yeah. your life? Are you going to pursue your passions? Or are you going to just, uh, you know, just kind of get the job that you feel like you're on the path to do? Mm -hmm. So we could do something like that. I don't know. Is any anything else? What about you, Steve? Anything piquing your curiosity from from the, from all of this? I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm looking at the description and I think, yeah, that sort of finding your path in life is a good one. The, the IMDb plot keywords are not taking me anywhere. Interesting. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, so they're all, they're from all over Europe. So is there like a, I don't know, dealing with living within a different culture. I don't know if that's part of any of these stories of when you're moving into a different place and adapting there, if that's part of that i don't know there's that many movies that tackle that though hmm according to imdb they they speak the international language of love and friendship <laughs> right, right the international right. language <laughs> love well yes. i like i like cultural blending i think there's something interesting there i wonder if we could uh yeah. if just saying yeah. that gives us you know something where you can have people from different uh, countries working together or just, you know, a story about people from different cultures. Yeah, I together. like it. Yeah, get it on the list, stat. Okay. I've got movies in yeah. mind. Okay, yeah. Yeah. all right. Lock it in. Okay, cultural blending. Um, what's next? Do you, want to, do you want to do, how would you just describe what we were talking about, Pete? Kind of like, um, you know, passion versus uh plans or something oh yeah plans, like meaning of meaning of, meaning of life movies oh. i don't know uh, <laughs> uh yeah we're talking about you're talking about like what selling out your dreams to for like a career yeah. or, or yeah or, or just not yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. something like what that. are you gonna do with your life movies yeah mm -hmm. yeah that we oh, can just do that i okay. like that what are you gonna what do, you do, with, gonna your do your life with your movies? life right. yeah 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 is that three? Do we have three or is we still on two? Uh, we still, that's two, right? 
We've got That's cultural true. blending. Yeah. What are you going to do with your life movies? And... Oh, weren't we going to do study abroad or is that too much culture, like cultural blending? That's cultural blending. Flatmates? Yeah, um, yeah like room, roommate movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Ro- roommate okay. roommate movies. Yeah, okay, there, there you go. I like right. that. Cultural blending. What are you going to do with your life movies and roommate movies? Good. It's good. Good. I, uh, it's up on uh, right. our uh, Show Talk channel, everybody. So get in there and vote. Even if you haven't seen the movie... You should still be able to pick one of those and go, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll make them talk about this this right. week. <laughs> I'll make them talk about <laughs> Dance, monkey, dance. Well, that's what we're here to do. <laughs> Let us dance for you. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. I think that's all of the news that we have for this fine day. Uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out, for downloading, listening to this very special episode. Uh, and thank you to all of our patrons for supporting us as we do this show. Thank you, Steve, Andy, for hanging out. Thank you. You bet. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.